The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hi, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey on the air. Here it comes. High energy intro. No, I had to get you. I know I got a false start going there. <laughs> wait, so I just poured that wine without. Were we recording? No, we're recording. You, All right. To, it <laughs> was like hurt, it's like herding cats in here today. So I Hurting figured if cat. you just hit record, this is why get it going. We usually do this at like eleven in the morning. <laughs> we're we're yeah, slightly less. Not simple. after a three-hour lunch. A at the three girl in the three-hour lunch at the girl in the fig. Is that, is that how long we were there for? I mean, I wasn't. I didn't set a timer. <laughs> Oh, right, right. We should talk about that, too. Can is we it, talk about that? Is it he- yeah, do, of course. Do you, okay. Is so, there any here? Uh, you drank it. Every single drop. That, that is how, it's like, you know I, the wine that people like by the glasses and the bottles that get emptied first. Is Les petits secrets. You know what? I'm going to have little secret. Sandra do our introduction here. Is that fair? Oh, really? Okay, so we we, we we've oh got God. we've got Anne Charlotte uh, from Chateau Font de Loup. Um, uh, in the Chateau Neuf, we have Sam Couture. We got oh, Phil Couture. Hi, uh, Paul. Hey, and Paul. Bart Hansen, we got Sandra Bernstein, we got Sasha Verhey somehow showed up <laughs> early today too. Um, yeah, but um, our our real star of the show today is uh, Anne Charlotte because we're all a fan of her wines and it's rare that we get to um, a uh, chance to see her, let alone sit down and have a chat with her. So we thought it'd be fun to sit down and, and talk to you. But you made a wine specifically for Sandra, um, for the girl in the fig, and we got to try that today. It was still um, fresh and new. You want to talk a little bit about the wine? Yeah, of course. Um, first, I'm when I decided to do this wine, I sent a text to Sandra and say, would you like to do something with me? Uh, and let's do a Côte du Rhône, not a Chateauneuf du Pape, to have something more affordable for everybody. And Sandra said, yes, of course, I would love to do that. So um, I told her, okay, you know what, I'm going to be in the U.S. for a long trip, and I'd love to come and visit you and talk about this project. And we were chit-chatting, and she said, I'd like something with Grenache. Of course. And say, yes, of course, but a lot of Grenache. Say, okay. So <laughs> I thought about Sandra and the girl and the fig, and everything was her personality means to me and what I think about the girl and the fig. So I wanted something very deep as a deep friendship we have. I want something bright as a brightness you uh, have, Sandra, and something very... Um, Elegant and fun as the style of your food. And I ended up with a blend one morning. I was in the cellar and I said, I need to work on that blend. So I ended up with a, it's 
85% of Grenache and the rest, I let you do the math, uh, is Syrah. <laughs> I, very often I finish with 110%. On <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be completely ridiculous. Just throw out the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so your accountant probably likes that part. <laughs> yes. And we tasted this this morning, but I don't didn't want to be too bossy. So what I did, I brought a bottle of uh, the blend, and then I brought a bottle of just the Grenache, saying if you want to add some more Grenache, we can always do that. And then we tasted the wines, and everybody say, oh wow, that's perfect. This is exactly what we want to do. And we tasted the the Grenache by itself, but it wasn't showing as bright as the blend. So. Uh, we decided that the blend was what it was. Yeah, and the blend had a real elegance to it that the 100% Grenache was a little more brooding, a little more raw. Yeah, so. you're right. You're yeah. right. I, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I was drinking it um, by itself. But yeah, but I mean... As far as what... You, I think for your inspiration, I think you nailed it. And I mean, the the blend that we did, it's, it's a bottle that you can finish just by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. As most bottles are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can just say that Sandra's here. But anyway, I absolutely love the wine. I was so excited today. Um, My first taste was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite kind of Grenache. So I'm so thrilled. I love the label. It's just so beautiful. And I'm just so excited. I'm going to be excited for everybody that gets to taste it. Yeah. So yeah. is this something that comes in the 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 girl and the fig wine club that we were just talking yeah. about? That earlier? was yes, my next that was, question. Yeah, I was like, right. wait a second. Exactly. I'm debating whether, yeah. you know, we got to keep if you're that. Curated or yes. French or, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The answer is yes. So, okay, yeah. well, then. Okay, <laughs> then I'm in. Right, I got your knowledge. computer in front of you. I need to update any information. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> All right, so Bart. This is where you should jump in and say, let's take a step back for a moment here. <laughs> Boy, do I always do that? Take is it that over. <laughs> so, we all have Charlotte, fill, um, can you please back up a little bit and talk about the, dom- the, the chateau? Yes, um, of I and, and of course, your own involvement and how you came to be a part of it. And um, I think there's a lot of people who probably are familiar with the winery, but there's probably a lot of people that aren't. So we want to try to give them as much information as we can so they go out and buy the wine. Okay. I try to give you as much information as you want. Uh, <laughs> if I'm boring, just let me <laughs> stop. No, we'll interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. I'll say something stupid. That's that. Bart, make sure we get the background. I'm here to make sure something stupid gets said. <laughs> So La Font du Loup is in my family for almost 100 years now. It has been bought by my great-grandfather. And my father took over in 77. Uh, and I took, after him, I took over after him in 2002. I wasn't supposed to be a winemaker. My dream was to be a lawyer. But believe me, uh, I would have been a very bad lawyer, as I guess O.J. Simpson would still be in jail. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I think OJ needed another round of good luck. I think OJ is actually in jail still right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I wasn't is he, is he out? Oh, no. <laughs> Sasha, Sasha, our legal advisor for <laughs> the winemakers, he's out of the he's Nevada. Out. He's a Nevada yeah, thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, my father decided to, um, to quit La Fondue Loup 
to create a winery in Morocco and it was one Sunday morning. He told me, okay, can you drive me to the airport? I need to tell you something. And I said, yes, of course I can do that. I was super scared um, on the news that he was, uh, you know, talking or whatever. Like he was, has cancer or yeah, something. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that, like uh, cancer or very bad disease. And mm. then he told me, you know what? I'm just fed up. Here are the keys. Now it's your turn. Wow. Good luck. Say, okay, thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the luck. <laughs> and I was 25 years old. <laughs> so I was uh, young and fresh. <laughs> but you had ha you, you <laughs> I don't know if it's an English term. Sorry, <laughs> excuse my no, French. You know what? <laughs> it it translates. It works. It works. So wait a minute. But you had had you'd spent time in the cellar and had time watching other yeah, people. I, I mean, mean, it wasn't like you. He just picked you up from college one day and then threw the keys at you and said, "Now go make wine." Or was it? It's a little bit like that. Wow. Yes. So um, you know, my my father was quite. Uh, strong and very uh he believed that as the daughter of the manager or the boss i need to show example so when i was 10 years old i was it was an obligation that i need to go in the vineyard from seven in the morning until noon every school holidays day oh. and i wasn't paid because i needed to show the example so basically i was a free labor force and I did a <laughs> hard job. I was crying in the vineyard. But I mean, I always enjoyed that. Uh, and I can say now that I've been a winemaker for almost 20 years, oh wow, uh, that I didn't choose my job, but my ch job chose me. And I'm very happy with, uh, with that. Yeah. So I'm of course working with my fantastic husband his name is laurent he's such a sweetheart a fantastic person and what is his role exactly he does everything okay yeah <laughs> so i pretty much do nothing so he said no uh, wow i bring the money and he spend the money this is <laughs> he always say that and charlotte you bring the money that i can spend okay <laughs> he takes care of the kids we have three kids together He's a fantastic uh, mother, because <laughs> I'm not a really a real mother. But, um, and we work together as a team. Uh, we decided on the blend together. We do everything together, mostly. I'm the one who speaks English, not very well, but at least a little bit better as, than... As good as anybody who has a microphone in front of their face <laughs> at the yeah, moment. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> public S education. Accent or, accent or not. Yeah. So then I'm the one who traveled the world to try to promote Fond du Loup and to sell our, our wines. This was my big project, to uh, sell the wine, to export the wines. Yeah, you're here on a big trip right now. You're hitting like five yeah. or six different uh, oh, states, more. I mean, more than that, I wow. guess. I don't really know. And you're big in Michigan. I'm big in uh, I mean I'm big in <laughs> Michigan. Yes, Michigan is my my number one state in the U.S. Wow, really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, right? Motown. You know what I'm saying? It's the soul. Yeah. It's well, the soul in the wine. Yeah. Well. No, no, I, mean, I sent a <laughs> we sent a pallet of wine to Michigan um, last spring, and you know the distributors from Michigan they're coming back um, next week. Uh, right when I'm supposed to be indisposed, so we'll see if <laughs> I can actually meet with them. But uh, yeah, they 
you know, a label that you know probably has less uh, recognition in Michigan than than you know somebody from France, and uh, they sold a pallet, so they're they're coming back for more. So nice. I guess they That's drink great. wine in Michigan. But yeah. I mean, what can you do in Michigan in the winter time? Other than other than yeah, drinking and eating. Good point. Right. Solid. <laughs> so solid and honestly, it's not a very crowded market. Mm -hmm. So you have competition, but not as much competition as in New York or in California. Right. Uh, and so people are always very happy to see winemakers. So the wines are always been very well received over there. And um, I was lucky to find my distributor they, uh, here. The team is fantastic and they do a good job. But we do a very good job in California too. What's your total production at the winery? Hello. 60,000 bottles. I know that you speak on cases. I well, that's think pretty easy. That's 5,000 cases. Yeah, 5,000. Something 5, like cases. that. Yes, I let you yeah. do the math. <laughs> and and is it you grow all the grapes yourself? You're yes, we winery. grow all the, uh, the grapes ourselves uh, for the Chateau Neuf du Pape and for the Côte du Rhône as well. Uh, we mostly do red wines, but we have a little bit of white Chateau Neuf du Pape too. Yes, yeah. uh, the <laughs> Fondulo. Brian, can you wipe that drool <laughs> off your mouth there for a second, dude? Did someone, say, did someone say Berbalonk? <laughs> someone, how does it come that this word is so sexy? Berbalonk and Claret Blanche. <laughs> and <Claret> Blanche. Right. <laughs> Two of my favorite words. I mean, Brian, you say it pretty well, but it's, and Charles, yeah. what you be. <laughs> of course. Is Berbalonk your safe word? You know? Whoa. <laughs> it is going to be tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now do you ever do for the so in Chateau Neuf I think what is for white wine grapes it's like three to five percent something like it's that it's five percent five percent so that's why you don't see a lot of um, uh, white Chateau Neuf to pop but, and it's and it's kind of expensive because it's very rare yeah right? it's kind of expensive it's very rare plus uh, I mean the focus has been made on the red more yeah. than on the white uh, mostly I guess because there's plenty of fantastic white wine on northern Rhone Valley um, and maybe Chateau Neuf du Pape was wasn't as famous as those wines and also because we tended to keep our white for us uh, <laughs> Wait a minute! You're saying you white wine? What white wine, Brian? Yeah. We got no, oh, we, so you, nothing. Don't look that's behind like that your closet. House, <laughs> yeah, that's like I your and in France, mostly a lot of people in France they care about white Chateau Neuf du Pape. So it was quite difficult to actually export the wine in the U.S. The white wine in the U.S. because most people think that white wine is not as uh, could I say difficult to do as red, and they don't really understand why it can be more expensive than yeah. the red. And in fact, it's because we don't have a lot. So um, well, and and great Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc is is age worthy white wine, which is another you know, certainly um, something in, the in, in the American market. Their yeah. aging white wines is is a pretty unheard. You know, what's the we talked about it, the usually a bottle of wine bought in the United States is consumed within eight hours yeah. of purchase. <laughs> so you know, a, a white wine that uh, you know from Chateau Neuf, and I, I don't know, but the ones that, that you guys are making, but there's some of them that famously, like, you know, after two or three years, go through the dead period, and then, you know, at 10 years, they're these m magical things. But, yeah. to you know, 10-year-old white wine in the United States is a pretty rare 
thing to find. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Uh, what is great with La Fondulou is we have a unique terroir. So it's uh, 45 acres, a contiguous plot of 45 acres, which is located on the top of a hill. The vines are north facing and planted on a sandy soil. So I don't have any of the big rocks, or I mean, not a lot of the big rocks that uh, Chateauneuf is famous for. So La Fondulou has this really a fresh type of terroir and it's a fantastic terroir for white wines. Mm. Uh, so we do, we have white that you can enjoy quite young mm -hmm. and you're right, they go through this dead period that I, I call the teenager period. If you'll soon We're, know yes. what it is, and, Sam. And some, sometime in the next 12 to 18 years, I'll yeah, understand. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm rolling into that yeah. right now. <laughs> your, your white wines are all in a weird yeah, phase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they open up like a magical uh, or late bloomer and the wines can are fantastic usually. Yeah. But that's the Marsan and the Roussan, right? I don't think the... Okay, so... Uh, sorry, there's no Marsan in Chateauneuf. No, no. So it's okay. the Roussan that's going through that sort of... Because I don't think... I don't you think that it's the Claret or Bourbon does the same I thing? I think it's uh, all of the... I think it's the blend by itself. Mm -hmm. But the I don't really know why. The synergy of the wine together. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. And it's true for every white Chateau Neuf du Pape. Um, so that is, because like, oh, I've heard that about, like, s I think, Solitude or something like, a couple that I have, and so I need to go, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so I've, And I have heard that, you know, they're at a place right now where I shouldn't open them because, and I bought it fairly young and... You know, it was a th three, four years ago, and now we're in a place where I can't open them for another four or five That's years. That's why right? there's a Coravin. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. I but the wines, the wines that still. That is why yeah. La Fondulou, because La Fondulou, you can drink it right now. Drink it right now? <laughs> well, where do I put my order in? <laughs> <laughs> can I get that from the Girl in the Fig uh, wine club? Is that where? <laughs> I can, we can make it possible. Uh, yeah. No worries. <laughs> but you literally, you're, you're living in, in a castle, right? I live... Okay, I was born and raised in a castle, uh -huh. um, but uh, I'm not a princess. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> it was like boring because well, the castle is in the middle of nowhere and my mother really decided that five minutes of car driving car was too long. So we were really in the middle of nowhere. The house is beautiful. We really have the best playground in the world. A lot of forests, a lot of trees. My sister and I, we were running in the forest, running in the vineyard. Uh, we have a lot of sand, so we pretended that we were at the beach. And so we had our <laughs> towels and we do picnics and stuff like that. That was fun, but I was quite boring because we were far away from everything. But so if you're the largest, if you were the largest, basically the property in that area, that meant a hundred years before that, your family was like the like the richest people in the area i don't know about that uh, my great grandfather used to produce cereals in morocco Whoa. so and i guess he became quite wealthy with that so he was able to buy this property uh, what he did is he exchanges some plots with other winemakers because he didn't want to have any neighbors 
so this is why La Fond du Loup is a single plot. Yeah, which is sort of rare because most uh, of the most of the vineyards are broken up. But yes, you have Chateauneuf du Pape is very morcelated area. Yeah. Let's no, let's can we go get that word one more time. Marcellated? Marcellated? Marcellated. And that, that's the, I mean, I know what it means because I know what you're talking about, but for the people who are listening, um, it's in Chateauneuf, you'll have places where, you know, you go from one row to the next row and you've crossed somebody's property line, right? Um, or is that yes, a little bit I mean of an exaggeration? Yes, I mean, it's a little bit, well, we are <laughs> not in Burgundy. Okay. Right. So <laughs> we have, you can have one parcel in the middle of Chateauneuf du Pape and another parcel, another right. plot in uh, Courtaison and another plot on the top of the hill and another plot at the bottom of the hill. But we have everything at the same uh, place. Right. So morcellated maybe was a French okay. word that I tried to translate yeah, in English. Yeah, I, I didn't well, know that word, but I, I mean, I knew, obviously I knew where we were going with it, but I, that's a... But it's still that... Today's vocab Chateauneuf, word on the podcast. In, in Chattanooga, the, the, the parcels are broken up. There's many, yep. in a large area, there's there's many different owners and yes, not yes. fences in between. It's just, you wouldn't really know... So for instance, we are on La Croix. You pronounce that La Croix. I pronounce mm -hmm. that La Croix. Uh, and our famous neighbor is Le Vieux Télégraphe. So uh. they have the south face of Lacro, and we have the north face. They are my closest neighbor, but we also have on Lacro, you have Clos Saint-Jean, you have La Janas, they have some parcel on mm. Lacro as well. So plenty of winemakers. It's quite a big parcel, but we are on the top of that, right. and we own all the lieux dit Fond du Loup. So if you look at a map of Chateauneuf-du-Pape, it's written La Fond du Loup. Uh, it's the name of the land, and it's the sandy part. And, and the name is because of... Oh, there's a legend behind the name, the famous legend of the wolf. Uh, it's not a scary legend, but uh, we are <laughs> facing the Mont Ventoux, which is a very dry mountain, and the legend said that the wolf, when they wanted to drink, they needed to come down, and they always stop at our fountain. We have a fountain with a lot of water in La Fond du Loup. Uh, it's a legend because obviously the Mont Ventoux is quite far away from us, like 45 minutes driving. So I guess <laughs> at the wolf distance, <laughs> it's even... Uh, they were thirst very thirsty. Very, wolves. very thirsty. Either that or like Brian, they were looking for that uh, the Blanc. <laughs> they were, they were, it was worth traveling <laughs> <Maybe>. for. <laughs> so hungry like the wolf. I was lucky to actually be on the property with Anchar. We had a beautiful day that day and... It definitely was not a typical Chateau Neuf um, vineyard, I didn't think. I didn't think, I, I guess walking in that vineyard, I couldn't say, oh, I'm in Chateau Neuf to pop. I didn't feel like that. Be but because the of the vineyard, soil or the? The soil seemed different. The forests around it, it's like, I'm not used to being like in so many French vineyards where there's forests like right there. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it felt like the plots were maybe a little bit larger, but the vines were so beautiful, so well cared for. Um, it, it, I don't know. I'm just like an observer looking at it. You guys would probably say like, what the frick are you talking about, Sandra? But I just, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> and, and what is the advantage? What do you, what do you think the distinct differences with all the sandy soil that you have so you mean the different sandy soil we have yeah i mean or what is it you mean what, what is it that makes that your property so different with all that sandy soil that's a little bit different than the rest of the shutting so, up so um 
you can make your experience the experience by yourself. If you have a rock in the vineyard, it can be extremely warm during the day. And it will stay warm at night as well. Right, so it holds the heat. So, yes. Yeah. So the roots of the vines will stay at a warm temperature night and days. Plus the stones by themselves like irradiate and warm the grapes. On a sandy soil, and you did this experience walking barefoot on a beach, mm-hmm. it can be super warm when the sun is out. But as soon as the sun comes down, it's cold and if you make a hole with your finger it's cold as well so the roots are at a cold cooler temperature and of course there's no uh, radiation effect so uh, the grapes are less warm so basically there's a biggest temperature difference the dinernals yes right it gets it cools down more Yep. Uh, in your location than other parts of Chateauneuf. Yes, yes, yes. So you get a little longer hang time, a little more yeah. complexity to the uh, wines. It, yeah, a lot, lot of freshness. Do you, lot pick, of freshness. Do you pick later? Than uh, we pick later, definitely. The other later, side of the hill. We pick like two weeks after anybody else in Chateauneuf du Pape. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and is like bud break later also? Is it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, Everything came later in La Fond du Loup. Wow. Um, it, I was it, thinking it, about doing a joke, but it doesn't come right now. So yeah, um, <laughs> you just say it in French, and then we can translate later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, but, I'll promise to laugh. <laughs> well, Google does that yeah, for exactly. us, right? <laughs> so yes, we harvest later, and we also need to um, de-steam everything mm. because the yeah. stems are never super over mature. So this is why we de-steam almost everything. And I, I think that's a really interesting point because there's a lot of hype, and that's what I'm going to call it, in, in American wine uh, about whole cluster and, and stem inclusion in your fermentations. And because we hear and we see my, my fucking father and his cell phone, um, <laughs> because we hear and we see our you know colleagues and, and people in, in France who use whole cluster fermentation... Um, when in in California, to get ripe stems in conjunction with ripe grapes is rare, if not you know almost impossible, because the grapes ripen so much faster than than the stems do. And, and to clarify what that means, um, the stem of especially Grenache will go from sort of that bright green that you think of in your mind to start to, the word is lignify, start to turn into wood and look more like the, you know, the cane of the vine and start to turn brown. And that's when the stems get ripe. And that, you know, in California, we're, you know, way past sugar levels when that starts to happen, uh, except in, you know, some the rare perfect year. Well, and it's funny, we had this discussion with David Ramey. We asked him about whole cluster with Syrah that he makes. And he told the story, and I'm, I don't remember the winemaker, but a French winemaker who, when he asked him what lignitation in the stems was, he was talking just right at the rachises, mm. where a lot of, I think, California winemakers look for. So right. part of it is is we're j- trying to do whatever they're doing to try right. to emulate it, and right. we need to figure out what it is for ourselves. You know what Mark Harold does? There's a, Robert yeah. Kamen's, with his Syrah, he de-stems and then takes the stems and, and lays them out in the sun and, and finishes the ripening, the curing of those stems 
Af- and then adds them back into the fermentation. I was going to actually ask you about that, but I thought it sounded stupid. <laughs> no, it's, it's a... Yeah, it's, no, you drive I, down there and they're out there and, drying. And the first year he yeah. did he didn't tell anybody and he took them home and he put them out on the lid of his hot tub and then brought them back and Robert was like, what the, what the hell are you doing? And now they do it with a little... A, a, tinge more, you know, higher level sanitation. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, that's how, you know, how he feels because of, you know, the grapes that, you know, come from Cayman, the stems aren't ripe when the grapes are, when the grapes are ripe. Yeah. And he has to, you know, sort of enhance the ripeness of those, of those stems before so, he adds them back. So the Southern Rhone in general is a warm grape growing area. Yes. And where you guys are located would be considered a cool, warm site. Yes. And then so, or is it a warm, cool site? Um, Sorry, yeah. shut up. <laughs> you got me. Got gotcha. you. Got me. <laughs> so, could you ta- speak a little about the mistrals and um, uh, no. kind of explain those and how that affects sleeping in a castle where it probably whistles through? So, the the, the mistral is both our best friend and our worst enemy. It's our best friend during the harvest season because it dries everything so um, we don't need to be worried about the rain or the morning dew so you're not worried about mildew and uh, less worry about mildew and disease like that it's our worst enemy during two seasons first season is uh, when it's the blooming season because it can create some coulure uh, you know, some flowers fall down, mm-hmm. and it can shatter also is the word that sh- shatter. shatter. Yeah, yeah, I cannot remember this Sorry. word. I, I almost couldn't remember it either. So. <laughs> I, I have to think of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> no. Really? No, no, no. Oh yeah, it's you're a shatter. Head, I forgot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that can get Brian to sing on while there the recording is a good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it can also break the little uh, buds. Yeah. Uh, so this is extremely, um, I mean, dangerous to have mistral at this part of the year. And it's also our worst enemy during the uh, summer season because it cools down our swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and we don't want to have very cold swimming pools. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but anyway, the mistral. We is understand. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> the you mistral know. is always blowing, especially in La Fondue, being north-facing and high altitude. Okay, when I say high altitude, don't think that we are uh, on the top of the Everest. It's 120 <laughs> meters above the sea level. Once again, I let you do the math because I don't know. The feet but f- and it's, it's uh, whatever. 400 uh, feet. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Three, three, seven, <laughs> I don't know. Something like Ask that. Ask Siri. 3.785. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and those, so the, the winds come off, they come off the, um, they come off the Caribbean, I mean the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean correct? Oh, so the Mistral is a north to south wind. So it comes north from uh, Lyon, uh, let's say from yeah. Lyon. To uh, the Mediterranean, so it's so it's, it's not, not a hot wind. No, it's a very cold wind, very very cold wind, mm. and it's it really blows almost constantly. We just had a period of a month with Mistral every day, and the Mistral is usually a very strong wind, so it can blows up to uh, 120 kilometers an hour, which is roughly, I guess, 100 miles an hour, something like that. Yeah, I'm not that good at that one in my head. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's so 120 kilometers is 
per hour is, is like let's say 100 or 85. It's, yeah, it's super strong. Yeah. I, know, I know in fifth grade they said we were going to learn the metric system. So. Yeah, not anymore. When you were in fifth, I mean, was <coughs> that was before you were born. Before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's got come a long way. <laughs> that has to determine a lot when when you're talking about the um, your rows and positioning of rows and your positioning of the vineyard. It's like because yes, if, if you're going the wrong direction, you're basically like having yes. your fence and blown over. What is funny is to see all the vines are growing. They are all growing on the same. Uh, the same way and they are used to the mistral so they will never grow on the other way they really know how to so they uh, face into it or they're facing away from it away from it away from it away from it okay so i mean they if the if the wind is blowing like that the yeah. rows are going like that so right. i'll let you translate my right right, <laughs> right. so <laughs> in the same sort of thing that happens in carneros when the wind blows so hard the vines kind of shut down to protect yeah. themselves correct yes yeah and so that also extends the amount of time that you're out there uh in a cooler warm area uh waiting for things to get ripe and yeah. develop yeah, yeah yeah you're right yeah. you're right which is super scary because uh, when we have to wait everybody else in chateauneuf du pape starts harvesting so when you see the people you know at school when you take your kids out of school and they say did you start your harvest no what May everything's gonna be overripe. No, it's not ripe right. in La Fondulou, so we need to wait. So usually my husband send me away and say, okay, you know what? Take a, f a flight, go wherever you want to go. I don't want to see you right now. Come back when the grapes will be ripe enough because <laughs> you, you know, are getting on my nerves right but now. How cool <laughs> is that? That because isn't that great for vineyard help? Because everyone else is harvesting and then. They're done, and then you have access to these people that are like, yeah. okay, now we're done. No, no, wait yeah. a minute, come, come work for us. Yeah, and they are uh, exhausted. Right, they're right. totally <laughs> over it. So, okay. I mean, okay. it's great, slow. you have a lot, but they are exhausted. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Anne Charlotte, because there is a time before harvest where all the equipment is clean, all the work has been, or almost all the work has been done in the vineyard. There's always work to do. And you're just like waiting for someone to tell you to go pick grapes. Yeah, And then and you are chewing your nails right. and waiting and almost boring. So let's go for a facial right. or something that you don't That's have the time do. to do. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you do that. Or let's pick something... Just to, just to see how it goes, you yeah, know? Yeah, just to see how it, I would love to stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how old are the vines that are on the property? 65-year-old uh, in average for La Fondulou. Yeah. And we also have a very old plot of uh, Grenache, 100-year-old vines of wow. Grenache. Uh, it's called Le Puy Roland. It's contiguous to La Fondulou. It's quite a big plot of four hectares, which wow. is roughly nine acres. Mm -hmm. And it's just old Grenache. Uh, that I never mix with La Fondue blend. It's always vinified by itself. Right. So you, you make a... The one that comes to my mind is, is always Julien and Domaine de la Baroche and his the pure, pure right. that's 100% Grenache from Old Vine. So you do a wine that's oh, similar yes. in composition to that. Yeah. We add this 100% Grenache for uh, years and years and years. Cool. And what I like with this plot is to let the vintage speak and to let uh, the vintage express its itself on this particular terroir, right. uh, which is great. And it's a big plot, so very hilly and beautiful plot of vines. Um, and do you have people that come stay on the property? Do you do like any kind of like bed and breakfast or host anyone there? It's just your personal home? 
No, it's my mother's personal home. Okay. And nobody really wants to stay close to her. <laughs> <laughs> she probably won't hear this, right? Yeah, this is why. <laughs> <Knock> on wood. <laughs> yeah, okay. The one podcast that Aunt Charlotte's yeah. mom is going to listen to right, is this. will be this one. <laughs> I had an issue with my mom on that podcast. Right. But um, I was at Aunt Charlotte's house where we had the most amazing dinner of raclette with beautiful meats and we were at your home yeah not the were. castle no 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 we, we, we saw I the castle i don't live at the property right. but first because my mother still lives there and i don't want to live close to my mother plus you were <laughs> asking me how is it to live on a castle and i told you that it's quite boring but it's also boring because we travel a lot we work a lot and on Sundays, when people come to your home to taste wine, it's not always easy. Plus, we have kids, and I would like for them to have, to don't have the the life that I had, seeing my parents always working, even if we work all the time. But right. I mean, we still have some quality time with them, and uh, this is why I don't live at the at the castle. And we try to have, so we have a very simple house, but we try to make it open to the world. And as I'm not a very good cook, usually when I got some fantastic friends, I cook the raclette, <laughs> which is basically <laughs> melted cheese right. on potatoes and charcuterie. So nothing yeah. to do with my cook, but I select the right cheese. There you right. go. The right charcuterie. Go. Yeah, you know the yeah exactly. And so now, when you go to check now on I'm the hungry. vines, you don't want to disturb mom. So are you like tiptoeing out into the vineyard so she doesn't see you out the window? No. Oh. <laughs> no, you know, I cannot really tiptoeing. Have you seen me? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean that I. Are you not very uh, um, uh, graceful? Is yeah, that what you're I'm saying? graceful. Yes, full of grace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kept my big butt just to be um, to stay in the vineyard, even if there's a lot of wind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the vineyard, also, it has a Mistral. Mistral. you have a water source. We have at the a water as well. source in the vineyard. We have a lot of water in La Fondulou, which is great because having a sandy soil, a soil, it doesn't retain the water, so right. uh, it's good to have a lot of water underground. And but you don't. Need, there's no irrigation, though. No, it's not allowed. Right. Uh, except on certain vintages, we are allowed to irrigate, but we need to ask for a special uh, really? uh, authorization, and it can be on certain days, certain hours during the day, and then you mm. are not allowed to. You cannot produce as much as you would without irrigation. So remember, in France, we have plenty of stupid laws. Right. So anyway, we, and uh, we, we share that. Just our stupid laws are about different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, huh. So, so, so I want to know how they irrigate without irrigation on years that they need to irrigate. Yeah, but <laughs> right. uh, I mean, you have a warmer weather than we have right. for sure. And we don't get rain in the summertime. And you don't get rain while... Our summertime, we usually have two periods of rain around mid-July mid, uh, and mid-August. We have some pretty big storms and uh, also beginning of September, we can have some storms and some water. 
But uh, oh yes, this is and a beautiful picture. And and uh, and and with the winds, those That's storms what, yeah. help dry it out. Right, yeah. you're praying um, for the mistral. In right, you. Are, this is what I told you. Mistral can be our best friend and our mm. worst enemy. And during the um, the picking period, it's really our best friend because you know nothing is worse than the morning dew. When it's uh, extremely wet in the morning, yeah. foggy, it can be quite foggy yeah. at our place, uh, our place as well. So when you have the mistral, you don't have to think about that. Right. Plus during the winter time or late in March or April, when we have mistral, we don't get any frost yeah. because it dries everything. Right. And and with Grenache being you know the primarily the primary variety and it tight tight berries and uh you know not certainly not thick skin i mean it, yeah, it wants you want to them be a dry. problem yeah you want them dry but when there's a lot of mistral during the summertime sometimes the the berries are very small and you lost some juice um so once again you know like every tool the mistral is again our best friend or yeah. worst enemy and so how many different wines do you make you do the you do the white so and then you i do the white i do the fond du loup and this is our regular uh, blend grenache syrah mourvedre cinceau and i do the puy roland which is the hundred percent grenache mm -hmm. and sometimes i you know it's like it's good to uh, reinvent yourself and to create some funny stuff so I like Mourvedre a lot, so every once in a while I do a cuvee which is called Legend, and this is Mourvedre based, mm. so it's mostly Mourvedre. Uh, it's a great, great wine, mm -hmm. very fun to do yeah. and fun to drink. And I like doing some project with some American winemakers, so I just did a barrel with uh, Sasha and Jeff Cohn. Who? So Who? <laughs> Jeff, has he ever been on the podcast, Jeff Cohn? <laughs> if we had him here? Who? Wait, what did you guys do? So we did the uh, Chateauneuf du Pape. Basically, he did the blend. Mm -hmm. And I followed... Who's he? He? Sasha? You mean S Sasha did the blend? Uh, Jeff. Jeff, okay. But Sasha helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, so so the, wait a minute. So they go over to France? No, no, no. We... Okay, he knows... Jeff knows my wine very well because yeah. we've been trading wines for years and years and we know each other for a long time. So I send him some bottles of wine as much as I can and he takes the wine. So he knows the style. And then um, we, he went to La Fond du Loup. He came, I believe he came visiting La Fond du Loup. Yes, he, mm -hmm. he came several times. And uh, so he, he knows the terroir and everything. And we decided to do this blend together. So he sent me some instruction during the harvest that I tried to follow. <laughs> like what? What was? What I understand. Was I understand this conundrum very well. Go on. Yeah, Jeff doesn't share many secrets with us. So tell what was he having you do? <laughs> it have to do with the full moon and being naked. No, that uh, that is not a problem with me. Yeah, so. say, that's not Jeff. <laughs> that would be a Jeff's problem, not mine. I mean, I don't care being naked in my vineyard. If it helps to make good wine, I'm okay. If it, if it, if it helps, he'll do it. <laughs> no, it was, uh, he wanted to do like cold soaking. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the money to do that. So tell, tell people what that means. So they... Uh, 
actually, I don't exactly know what that means. Okay, it's not something that you're cold. familiar yeah, with. Well, the, the, the idea is, is that you idea is that you chill down the must before the fermentation for three to five days and try to extract as much flavor and color before mm -hmm. the presence of alcohol, right? So alcohol is a stripping agent, so it's more gentle is the idea. Um, typically, you would do that either with dry ice or you would have a lot of refrigeration. And my guess is at your winery, it's neither, all uh, ambient. Yes, neither uh, ice, neither uh, big refrigerator. Um, it's a... Uh, we redo, I know that Sandra is showing some picture of La Fondulou. We renew the cellar, so you need to come back to see the new cellar. But it's still uh, an old cellar, old facilities, and we don't have all the tools to do exactly what we want. Um, and I wasn't into the cold maceration or cold soaking, so I did it my way. And we ended up with beautiful wine that uh, both Sasha and Jeff blended. And the result is uh, great. And where is this wine going to be available? It's going to be available in California, just in California, I believe. Uh, and the name of the wine is DS Pourpre. I like the fact that you cannot pronounce the I, name. I'm not even close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult so, names make is, is a, it's a great business plan. Yeah, <laughs> Says yeah, the guy yeah. with winery 16600. But yeah. what does it mean? <laughs> uh, purple goddess. Pu wait, what? Purple goddess. Purple, purple goddess. Yes. Oh, okay. At, Anne Charlotte said she's not a princess. She didn't say whether or not she was goddess. a goddess. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not purple. <laughs> I mean, well, you probably are in October. Yes. <laughs> Certain times of the year, there might be yeah. some purple More parts. purple than other. <laughs> yeah. So when, and Sasha, when you guys were doing the blend, were you sending them, So I you went, sent over samples for yeah, them to I play with? I went to California with some samples. We, I brought some Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre, and we did that all together. So what's the, what's the makeup of the blend? Do you remember? Pop quiz. It's Nobody remembers. Great stuff. It's Grenache really and good stuff. And Syrah. Outstanding <laughs> stuff. It's <laughs> outstanding. I had a, a bottle. little Jeff Cohen magic. Yeah. <laughs> I had a bottle with Jeff two nights ago. And I can say that very humbly because I didn't make the wine. He did the blend. So I can say it was outstanding. Nice. Really. Maybe this year I'm going to get uh, an 88 Robert Parker <laughs> point. <laughs> this is my goal. Oh my God. 105. 105. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Extra credit. <laughs> so, so, so I'm curious, what was the inspiration for you guys, Sasha, about um, what, what was the inspiration for doing this wine other than just the love of Chateauneuf to Pop and uh, friendship? Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I think Anne Charlotte's probably better at describing the, the reason for the, the project, but it is definitely the connection is between France and California, the camaraderie, the friendship, the passion, and al always recognizing what you have in different places. And I think there's also an open-mindedness, which I've always loved and appreciated in the newer generation uh, wine growers and uh, winemakers in Chateauneuf, where they're really open to experimenting and really trying new things and new interpretations. And I think 
It's it's quite an honor and uh, quite a gesture that uh, Anne Charlotte gave to Jeff of handing over some amazing raw potential and or raw materials from her vineyard uh, that we could only dream of having old vine Grenache in the ways that she has and to blend it in sort of a California sensibility but with the finesse of, of France and I think it's just shows the the openness and the just the willingness from Anne Charlotte and I think it's remarkable so I think it's great because it has a new impression uh, when I mean, some wineries have a house palette a little bit, and it can be a little closed-minded or a little more uh, provincial if you're in a certain town. So it's nice to expand that, and I think with this project in particular, it will amplify that and just that interpretation. And so maybe Anne Charlotte can learn a little something, maybe about cold soak, and Jeff can certainly learn a lot about working with Grenache that's super old, which we don't have here. And would happen maybe if he's lucky, if he lives to 150, you know, that kind of thing. So, Ben, Ben, uh, Ben's kids, Ben Pickering's kids will be able to make that wine in Defco and Cellar. <laughs> right. I, did you want to say anything, Ben Charlotte? No, uh, you're right. I learned a lot of things. I learned bricks. So <laughs> I didn't know what bricks were. So I was with my phone and converted pH in bricks. Say. Okay, let's do that. But you're right. It's, um, I mean, I like to travel around the world and uh, I know that there are fantastic winemakers all around the world. And it's always great to be open-minded to them because you can learn a lot. And I learned a lot. Uh, the way of uh, Jeff blend the wines is just uh, amazing. I don't do that at all at home. So it was super precise. I don't want to say that it's not precise what we do. Um, it's very precise. But his way of doing was, uh, yeah, remarkable. I, I think it's amazing how much we all learn from each other. And, and if France is the old world or one of the old world places, it seems like other grape growing areas like Bordeaux has certainly modernized and these put in these fabulous, you know, chateaus and, and in Burgundy they're seeped a little more tradition and but it seems like in Chateauneuf um, there's it's the new generation wants to learn and wants to share. And I think that's what we've learned um, more I, than some of the other grape growing areas. I think that um, that openness and especially with the newer generation it, it's also why there's the camaraderie with Sonoma in general. Um, you know, we always give Sandra a lot of credit for the sort of Grenache bubble that we get to live here, live in and here in Sonoma. But um, that the the cooperation, the collaboration, especially with Sonoma and, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't work in other regions or with other people, but. Um, you know, I don't know if you see that very much in other, you know, cross-culturally in, in other wine regions like, well, like and, we have going here. And we definitely have our influencers here in California, you know, and, and the people that are passionate about it, like your father, um, Sasha, is certainly someone who I've met in the last, I don't know, 10 years, I guess. And, you know, who is this guy? And he's just a passionate person about Grenache and Chateauneuf. And, and, and look he's at the Flav of Flav. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the hype man. Boy! And, <laughs> And then you add that with uh, Sandra and what, you know, she's doing. And yeah, it, it, but it all works and it's all very natural. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of. 
Well, as you guys continue to make incredible wines and just really sustain the passion of loving Grenache or Rhone varietals. And I mean, frankly, I love the gamut of Grenache from very, very light to very, very big. Um, and I think that makes it such a great grape that there's so much we can do. I mean, if you're a Pinot lover, you could find some Grenache that you're going to be blown away by. I don't know if we've ever... Do you Just think said, that that's why the Rhone alone wine list has been so successful at, at the girl in the fig because of the the versatility of these grapes. I, mean, I listen to Jasmine talking about it all the time in the tasting room where she says, you know, people come in and, and if they want a Chardonnay, she can, you know, sort of move them towards a Marsan. If they want a cab, maybe there's a Syrah that fits that. Is, is the, that, that sort think, of like flexibility? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think our educating our guests is part of it. And not to um, insult anyone's intelligence, but I don't know that people know enough about wine. I think they have a preconceived idea about what they like, mm -hmm. about what they think they should like or what it's supposed to taste like. And I think sometimes when people just kind of open themselves up to somebody that can show them the way, they may discover something that they go they they didn't expect and they right. go oh my god i love this but i think that and i would say that happens with probably 85 90 percent there's some people that are going to be diehard you know varietal fans that know what they like or they think they know what they like and there's and you nothing send them across the street yeah, to the exactly. Kitchen there's nothing <laughs> we can go, give you them. can go next door nothing. and have a chardonnay man but, but it's exciting that you know we're teaching people and we're getting you know the juice in their mouths and and teaching them and expanding their horizons so thanks yeah, it was, it was what's the movie with Robin Williams? Dead Poet Society. Right. I'm telling you, every day in that restaurant, you're get, making people stand up on their table and see things from a different perspective. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Captain, my oh, Captain. Oh, Grenache, my Grenache. And people get stuck yeah. in such ruts with, with wine. It's amazing. but and, and everyone loves new experiences, but sometimes it takes someone forcing you into a new experience where you won't do it yourself. But if you're forced to do it, and you're forced to do it at the Girl in the Fig, you have no choice. They say to you, "No, we don't have Cab, we don't have Pinot, we don't have Char, we don't have Sauvignon Blanc. You are going to drink if you want to drink wine. You're going to drink Pickpool. You're going to drink Marsan. You're going to drink Grenache, and you're going to drink Syrah, right. and you're going to like it. And then you're going to leave here going, the fuck have I been doing my whole life? Why have <laughs> I been not been drinking that? There's so many other things that I should try. I know that they're probably like, we should go skydiving tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to Niagara Falls. <laughs> get a get a barrel. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, huh? <laughs> do you guys drink a lot of California wine? And I do. You do? I do. Besides I do. Jeff's. Right. No, no, but I mean... Maybe half of my cellar is... My personal cellar is made of um, California or, I mean, American wines. I have a lot of wine from Luxembourg as well, believe it mm. or not. They make very good wines. Uh, I have a lot of um, wine from Portugal, um, New Zealand. I have, but a lot of Californian wines. Yes, a lot. So when Oregon, I know wines this is going to be well. heretical in the crowd that I'm in, but when you are at home and you don't want to drink a Grenache, or what are you? What champagne. are you pulling out of the champagne? Right. 
I guess yeah. that's a pretty non-controversial controversial <laughs> answer. All right, all right, no. Champagne. <laughs> I'm a huge, huge champagne drinker. Oh, yeah. can't, can't argue with that. And what's your I favorite? Like what do you have at home that you just every night you could drink every night? Every night I could drink uh, Henri Giraud champagne. Mm. This is to me one of the best champagne that I ever had in my life. Especially one of the of their cuvée called uh, Argonne. It's beautiful. The wine is really beautiful. And is it expensive? It is. Okay. I'm <laughs> not a cheap date. Okay. <laughs> she grew up in a castle know. for crying out loud, yeah. Ryan. What do you think? <laughs> it's like the princess in the pea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To turn that champagne away. Is that is that <laughs> something that is available? Can we find that in America? Yeah, I guess or do so. Do we need to know a good importer? <laughs> yeah, All right, I Sasha's guess so. nodding in yeah. the corner. Okay. We'll talk to Sasha later. <laughs> Head down to Sai. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they do a very, very good job. I love champagne, not only uh, Henri Giraud. Uh, I like Egli Aurier a lot. I like Vilcar Salmon a lot as well. But uh, to me, Henri Giraud, um, they are doing a fantastic job. Maybe she really? can help you, Sandra. Yeah. yeah. Get that bill card in. Yeah, get, get bill card in. Okay, I'm a, I, wanna, I have a question. And the reason why we do this is so I can ask questions and get them answered. So can you talk a little bit about... The, the sandy soil on the top of a hill. Um, the rest of Chateauneuf is known for primarily the um, their stones and then the clay Can soils. Yes, and the clay soils. It, it, the sandy soils is very specific to where you guys are at. And how did it get there? Wow. Uh, <laughs> so the Miocene time... I don't know uh, if you have that in English. Miocen. So I mean, we've probably had it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Far, 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 long, long time ago. Uh, it's some sediments from the Rhone River, and they get after the glaciation. Yes. Um, they get on the Deposited deposit there. on where we are. So the other part of the hill is made of uh, stone, so the big galley, and they never covered our part of the hill. So they stay here, and our face, our north facing, has been covered with this sandy soil from the glaciation. Got it. And uh, having some sand on the top of a hill um, means that we have the um, lot of erosion, so we are surrounded by forest to keep the soil hmm. uh, in, at its place. And we, with the wind, the sand can also go right. away. So we really need to fix that with some uh, forest. So Fond du Loup is surrounded by forest. Maybe... I'd, there's a lot of forest in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, but especially on this part of Chateauneuf-du-Pape, we are really surrounded by that. And, and, and what sort of trees are those? Oak trees Oaks, a lot. Yeah. Uh, Any mm. pine or conifer? We had some conifer as well. We had some oak trees. What do we get? Peuplier? Well, I don't know the... And, and is and that... The, the sandy soils are really their decomposed granite, correct? It is. Yeah, yes. and w and the reason why I'm going there with all this is recently Brian and I went over to beautiful Lodi, California, which and is exactly where you think of when you think of Southern France. Right. Not at all. <laughs> right. But but the fact is is that you know those folks there they will argue that they are growing on decomposed granite right. that came out of the Sierras, and I just like to draw those things together because they right. couldn't be more different than each other but they do have this certain commonality, you know. 
Uh, we on our sand, we still have some uh, fossils. Mm -hmm. So it's really like beach sand. It's right. super uh, um, light kind of sand. And right. we but I mean, you were making sand castles when you were a kid. Right, you were playing yes. in the sand right. like it was yes. the beach. Yes. Right. We but how does it not all blow away with the Mistral? Uh, can you stop asking those it's weird sand, questions? It's sand all the way I down, man. No it's sand all the way down. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing these winds when you're at the beach. You know, right. when we go to the beach, you, you, I mean, sand's blowing in your eyes. So I'm imagining her whole vineyard in like three days is like down the road. No, this is... <laughs> This is also, we are protected by the trees, by the as I told mm. you, by the forest, and plus we have a lot of um, uh, greens, some uh, uh, cover, uh, crops. Cover, crops. cover crops. That's what I was going to ask, because I know in, in some parts of France it's too cold to get like a winter cover crop going. No, no, we have it. You have, you have winter cover uh, crop. You yes, have things yes, growing. Yes, this time, yes. right now, there's yeah. some, some grasses and some Some grasses on, okay. the, on the soil. Yes, okay. yes, yes. We need them to, again, to maintain the soil, right, uh, and to help also the natural irrigation. Right. So, do you? And we're like getting kind of technical. Do you mow and till? Do you? Do, I remember one of the things my dad went and when he went to Chateauneuf de Pop, he brought. He didn't bring back in his suitcase, but uh, this tractor implement that we call the Rhone Ripper. Because it goes through the rocks and allows us to to cultivate cover crop in in rocky soil. Um, so is that something? Are you are you mowing and, and cultivating the soils? We so what we mostly do, okay. Um, we shave the 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 grass mow. The, yeah. Okay. Yes, we shave that okay. because uh, it's <laughs> shave it. Yeah, I mean, right. We I don't mean, shave in my family. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I always make some uh, comparison, and I think that shaving is less painful than waxing. Yes. <laughs> so if you know what I mean. Right. I don't know so, waxing the vineyard. <laughs> so I don't wax the vineyard. I shave. It's just because I like to protect also the um, the uh, biodiversity life, and there's a very intense underground life in La Fondulou. So if you, we use too much the tractor, we could um, damage the worms uh, mm -hmm. houses and that we don't want to do that. So this is why we so you So you don't cultivate? We do a little bit, but not a lot. And okay. remember, we are not on the, on on the rocks. The rocks. Right. So uh, we have to work a little bit differently. Right, yeah. interesting. Yeah. But so it's still all, it's about promoting, you know, the biodiversity, biodiversity, yeah, right. I mean, the soil's alive, yes. holding on to, holding on to moisture, holding on to moisture, yeah. protecting so your, uh, what you have. In La Fondulou, we have two big focus. Um, one is respect the environment and the other one is uh, increase the biodiversity. So this will be our two main uh, focus. That's why the wine is good. Right. I mean, uh, one of the reasons right. that the wine is good. We have a yeah. lot of bees, a lot of insects. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Sounds familiar with what we love. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like you've been sitting it at this table on this podcast for <laughs> the last three days. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then you said you have three kids. Is that correct? I have three kids. Yes. So, so which one are you going to take to the airport and tell I'm them that they're say, taking over? I'm going to say, which one is getting the keys? 
Have you picked know. them out yet? No. When no. you're flying no. to Fiji, who's right. driving you to the airport? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one. I, I don't know. So you're saying there's an opening, Brian. There's a chance for you. A little too early to tell, I guess. <laughs> it's too early, a little bit too early to tell. And you know, uh, this job can be difficult. And it's really, you have to be passionate. So yeah. if you're not, I mean, uh, there's no way to do that uh, yeah. properly. Did, did you ever imagine that you would be, you know, doing what you're doing? I know you no. had uh, you had aspirations, but do you, I mean, you obviously love it. I love it. I wasn't imaginated that I would be here today, for instance. Right. Like this morning, I was driving Jeff's car, and I was thinking, wow, I'm driving in California. Like, I mean, even the word I'm driving is something quite funny. Uh, I'm not a very good driver. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeff, don't listen to that part of the podcast. That dent was there when you gave it to her, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> The car is still okay, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> He's just thrilled that you're driving his car. Yeah. It ran into a... Never mind, I won't say it. It ran into a Zinfandel that didn't have 15% alcohol. <laughs> wow. Because mine's are 14.8, to be real. Or, or at least on paper. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and how can people... So we obviously know how to get a hold of your wines because we get the opportunity to run into every now and then and we know people like Sondra that will carry the wine on their wine list but for people out there that are living in not Detroit Michigan who you're like this super rock star um, road trip to Detroit guys I know so can people just order direct from you online uh, no because it's not allowed for me to ship some wine directly to the US but my uh, importer here is the source mm -hmm. the source the source <laughs> And I mean, so, what else do you need but the source? Right? <laughs> it sounds kind of mob connected. It does, it does have a little. <laughs> and they have a website when you can, where you can order some wine very easily. And of course, you can go to Sandra's place. There's a lot of places around California where you can. You can find join the uh, girl in the fig wine club, uh, probably, and probably get a little bit. <laughs> and do you do do you do tastings at home? Do you have people I that come? I do tastings at home uh, upon request. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an open tasting room every day. Uh, we are far away from everything. So La Fondue right. if you want to come to La Fondue you have either to get lost or to have an appointment. Then I can explain you how to come and find me. <laughs> um, and of course, we are always, always uh, thrilled to have people uh, coming from everywhere in the world and uh, making the time to come and visit us. I usually, I am in charge when I'm at the winery, I am in charge of the visits and it's super fun. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you guys, anything um, you want to talk about before we wrap up? No, I'm... Um, I, I want that 100% Grenache Old Vine Right. Yeah. Is, where that, is that imported? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. It is imported. So Chris Clausen is your rep here locally, Chris, so, that we had yes. lunch with today? Yes. Okay. So if we ask her, maybe she can pull a sample yes, for us? of course. So the, so <laughs> the other thing I was thinking is when people come to Chateau Neuf, like what are some great events that yeah. they could go to? Like... I know we do the printemps. Les printemps de Châteauneuf-du-Pape. It's uh, during the springtime where 
oh, probably now 90 different winemakers are pouring their wines. And can anybody go to that if you buy yes. a ticket? Yes, if you buy a ticket or if you get some invitation, it's very easy. And I think it's going to be in April. April. But, uh, yeah, it's usually at the beginning of April. It's going to be mm -hmm. the 10th anniversary this year. And we also have a nice event in Chateauneuf-du-Pape in uh, August, which is the Véraison. It's a big festival uh, with some wine and whatever, some uh, dancing, chevalier dancing, big dinner. Running dinners, under the moon naked. Yeah, you know, something like that. <laughs> 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 we are a lot yes. naked. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyone that wants to reach out to the source um, to get the wines or you can. It sounds like when is this wine that you made for the girl in the fig? Is that going to be once you guys get all the logistics worked out? Is oh. that going to be something that will be available soon or are the we talking long maybe? term? Yeah, I mean, it can be available in two months. I mean, it tasted good today. Yeah. Okay. Whenever Fish I'm pumps from Sandra off air there, <laughs> off the microphone. Yeah. And, and then the wine that, <laughs> that you did with Sasha and Jeff. It's um, going to be available soon as well. As soon as well. Yeah. And, and you will need to talk to Sasha or to Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sasha, how do we get a hey, hold of this wine? How do we get a wine? hold of you and the wines that you have and these wines? Yeah, and what's going on with you? What's going on with me? That's a good question. <laughs> how, much time uh, do we, how much time do we have? But yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, just email me if you want. Uh, we're just going to bring it in pretty soon. Everything's printed, ready. We're getting it ready for the boat, and it should be here soon. So how, so do, we, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, you can email me and my older email. So maybe if you give your email address. Yes, Sasha, S-A-S-H-A, <laughs> at Eno, E-N-O, wines.com. Okay. Um, I no longer make wine which was called Eno Wines, <laughs> but I used that one. So okay. super excited to bring it in. It's an exceptional bottle. Cool. Um, I want to give a shout out to Wine Zulu. I had some fun last week and the week before doing some psalm guided wine tours. And the first time I've been up to BY's, first time I was up to Repri. Um, Mind blowing, huh? It was pretty, pretty cool up there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> when you're at Repri, you kind of feel like you're standing on a ledge, don't you? Well, they drive you up there too in the little, those little like, um, those little four wheel drive golf carts that they have. And they take you up there to where you can see, is it Jeff's Jeff Baker's house, mm -hmm. Robert Kamen's house. You're looking at all of the, mm -hmm. the grapes. You're looking up at the old Zinn up there, up on the top of the hill. And, and Eric Bradley was there the last time I was there. He had his two dogs. He was walking so the vineyard. Jordan, the, the German shepherd Jordan in charge. I told you I was in the car. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the, might've be a couple of bite marks in yeah. the car, but no, the I didn't sustain any damage. Yeah. Um, but if anyone wants to do tours, when they come to, um, come to Sonoma or Napa, you can go to wine Zulu Z O O L O O. We'd love to host you and take it. To can some you cool request spots. Brian Casey as your guide? I don't see why not. All right. Yeah. Is there an upcharge for that? Uh, or there a discount? There, we could make one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mention Wait, we, the winemakers when you book with Wine Zulu. We could we could do an upcharge Brian. and then discount <laughs> and it. Discount perfect, and right. it'll cost the exact same yeah, amount. It always be will. about the same. Yeah, usually. Um, and Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us on the um, on the podcast. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Uh, merci beaucoup. Merci We're gonna head out to dinner. Um, go have some Mexican food in Grand uh, Electra, in Napa. not Electra. At Grand Electra. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds because like a what do French winemakers want to do when they come to California? 
Drink tequila and eat Mexican food. Yeah, of course, drink right. tequila. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this has been the winemakers. Uh, Sandra, thanks for joining us as well. And Sasha Verhe, you've uh, got his contact information. Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen. Anne Charlotte, will you say your whole name for people? Anne Charlotte Bachas. Anne Charlotte Bachas. Mm. How do you spell it? B A C H A S. B A C Anne Charlotte. I Anne Charlotte Bechus. was just kind of like share. There was, just, there was no last name. I know. I, I thought like it was one word. Uh, you know what? In Texas, people used to call me enchilada. Enchilada. <laughs> yeah. So it happened once. I introduced myself. And my yeah, name is Anne Charlotte. And the lady was, what? Enchilada? But how do you come that you have this name? So yeah. Not enchilada, well, Anne Charlotte. Better than what is the tomato drink, michelada? Right? Michelada, better than yeah. that. <laughs> my, my cousin, Tamale. <laughs> All right, this has been the winemakers. Look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, everyone.